Good evening and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast and uh, this episode is the usually weekly wrap-up of the English Premier League. Um, my name is Jamie Royals. I've uh, agreed to host this evening and let um, some others do uh, a bit of the talking to save me keep going on and on and on like I normally do. Um, I've got a couple of guests with me this evening. I've got Mason. Mason, how's things? Yeah, well, good. Thanks, Jamie and Johnny. Good to be back on. Um, looking forward to this one. Uh, you know, it's going to be a different kind of podcast, but uh, <laughs> one that's bringing back some some good and bad memories of, of, a, of a Premier League season. Good man, yeah, I've been looking forward to it as well. Uh, Johnny, obviously one of the newest members to the podcast. Um, kind of feel sorry that you've kind of joined us and we're going to start winding it down now because the season's coming to an end. Um, but it's great to have you back on. Yeah, thank you, mate. Uh, it's it's great to be back and always fun. It was great last week. I enjoyed doing it with Perry. Um, but yeah, hopefully it can continue to be a bit close season and see if I can get a full-time contract. <laughs> we'll speak to the bigwigs about that one, the wages that they're offering. <laughs> um, so as ever, we normally go through each individual uh, fixture just to kind of talk about uh, the highlights that we've seen and the result itself. I think to be fair, be fair, we're kind of winding down. We've come to the end of the season now, and rather than going through dead rubber of ten games, we'll probably just stick to some of the most important ones, which were actually the relegation placings. Um, there's obviously been a bit of news uh, between last week's pod and this week's pod, so what I'll do is I'll cover the pod, I'll cover the news first. We'll cover about the relegation and the promotion, um, and then what we'll look to do is kind of wrap up the season on some of the best points of the, some of the best points that we can remember throughout the season. Um, we'll do a bit of a, a piece on like. A little segment on our on our favourite eleven as well, um, but uh, I would say the biggest news, probably the most uh, the most biggest news that's come out recently, is we we seem to be having a bit of an end to the saga that is um, Chelsea management hiring. Um, so it has been announced now that Maurizio Pochettino um, has finally agreed to take over at Chelsea. Um, so Frank did the job he was brought in to be saved, and that was to save Chelsea. So well done, Frank. Um, and now we've got Pochettino you know that's sworn in um mason obviously been um you know an avid part-time chelsea fan what's your thoughts on Maurizio pochettino coming in um i like pochettino i, I like pochettino i think um he's got he, he done really well at spurs i think he mm-hmm. he was wrongly sacked at, at spurs um obviously went to psg i just i've just got i don't know if he's a right fit for chelsea though i'm just okay. i'm not sure uh, I think the big, the biggest thing at Chelsea for me, regardless of recruitment, and I don't think that's been great, even though the money that's been spent is going to be getting rid of cutting down that squad. Uh, that's going to be his, his biggest job. Um, but I, I just I think Chelsea is so far behind uh, Manchester City. Um, and that's where you kind of put in Chelsea with the money that they're spending. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, how successful Chelsea have been over the last sort of 10, 15 years. I just... I hope Pochettino gets time and I'm glad to see that Lampard's gone because that was an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. Um I want Poch to do well, but I'm I'm a little bit I'm What makes you what makes you think he's the right he's not the right fit? I just I, he's not a winner. What what, what do you what, okay. He's not a winner. He's he's um again that might be a, a little bit harsh to, to, to say that obviously looking at the club he's managed apart from PSG, but um mm-hmm. I just don't I, I've always said about Pochettino. I think Tottenham and and Tottenham being that trying to get Champions League football. I think that's in the Premier League. I think that's Poch's <clears throat> top 
actually going to That's win the Premier League title, which Chelsea will be expected to do, I don't see it with with, with Pochettino. But you know, if you listen to the Tottenham players, you know when they were successful under him and um, you know getting to a Champions League final, they've got nothing but, but good good things to say about him. But um, yeah, I, I do have my doubts. Okay, um, John. So um, Chelsea finished twelfth um, uh, at the season end, which is their worst placing in the league since um, I think it was like nineteen ninety five, apparently, uh, which was a tenth was a tenth finish. Um, where do you sit alongside Mason? Do you, do you, is Poch the man? Is he not the man? Or who would you have seen? Who would you prefer to see come in if he's not? Um. Oh, listen. I don't know. Uh, I would agree with what Mason said regarding um, what he's actually won mm-hmm. um, and how successful he's been. That doesn't mean he's going to be do badly. Um, I still genuinely believe the tools are there at Chelsea for success. I, I don't mean they're going to dethrone, uh, dethrone City, sorry. I think that's going to take time for any club. I mean, they're just, we've seen what they can do. Um, Chelsea, it wasn't long ago Chelsea were successful and they were the team to beat. Um I agree, we brought in, you know, far too many players came in uh, close season and in January and bought by someone with zero football knowledge. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, was taking advice from a podgy uh, late-night <laughs> TV show host, which is terrifying. But I do West, believe... West Ham fan as well. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. I mean, we don't know for definite, but if that's the case, that's a... I mean, you don't need a bigger red flag than that. But I don't think Poch would stand for that. How much say will he get? Again, we don't know. Um, I don't think they've got... They were still to bring in somebody who was going to control the transfers or somebody new. I don't think that's been done yet. Um, the, the squad's huge. It needs thinned. Again, I agree with Mason on that too. They already had stupid amounts of players and they've brought in even more. And the worst part is they've signed them on huge contracts, very long contracts. You can't just out those players. They have to be either sold and chance of you getting the money back you spent, pretty much no chance, especially after that kind of season. Um, so, yeah, I do believe he can do well, but I, I don't want to commit to say he's not going to or he is. I think time will tell with it. But I think everything went wrong this season, mate. Sorry, but everything went wrong with, with Tusha. That was, that's where it all went wrong. As soon as they sacked him, they, they went far too fast and they put their cell in a hole that they couldn't get back out of. I was doing a bit of digging today, actually, just on Chelsea in itself, and it's absolutely frightening when you look at the numbers. And I was reading a piece today, and you know Chelsea have already got three players coming in in the next window. Like, they've already got three players signed coming into the first team or the first squad, and that's Nkunku from um, Leipzig. And they've got the two Brazilian wonder kids that they've just purchased for about £20 each that are ultimately going to come in and, and fit somewhere into the squad. Um, they've got a lot of loanies coming back. I, I totally forget the likes of Callum hudson Adoy still on the books. Um, you've obviously got Lukaku coming back. So you're talking that the best part of 17, 18 players is ultimately going to be pushed out the door this window, this winter. Uh, sorry, this window. Um, but one of the things that I actually didn't realise that kind of makes a lot of sense is that the way financial fair play works, um, it works based on the on on the year going from July the first to July the first. So if they want to get rid of a lot of the finance issues, they have to do it before July the 1st. That's a crazy fire sale if you think about that we're going on to the 1st of June tomorrow. That's like a month to get 
the best part of maybe double figures amount of players out, and then maybe the stragglers going towards the end, beginning of the new season. The problem that they're going to have is that everybody knows that they're trying to push them out for next to nothing. They're going to try and get a sale. Your, your Hackham's, your, she's your Pulisic's. These are, you know, I mean, Mason Mount, I think I was talking on earlier, there was talk Mason Mount's now going to Manchester United. Um, he's going to be commanding a fee of something about 230 grand a week, which seems astronomical. But there's definitely a lot going on. I think we also announced about an hour ago on Twitter that Manchester City have been given the green light to speak to Kovacevic. So the, that's one that we never anticipated going out the door because of the midfielders. So you just think they've got a lot of business ahead of them. Um, and I think the first indications was as well as that Felix won't be retained. Does that surprise us both? No. Did you see the fee? What, how much he's actually again? Seven hundred and fifty grand a game, two million a goal. Not not that they would have spent much on that anyway, but the fact they you know to agree to it. Um, no, I mean that's just not sustainable, is it? And plus, there's no option to buy. So, just 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 on that though, to be fair, Chelsea have been very good about with offloading players though. In in recent seasons, they've been very very good at it. But that was under. Obviously, Abramovich and everything he done, mm-hmm. to be fair, ended up working out. Um, the, the worry is, as you said, Jamie, they've got to get rid of so many players so quickly. Yeah. I, I see that Pulisic was available for under 20 million. That was getting reported yesterday. Um, I'd be surprised if they got 10 for that. Well, they might have injuries that boy close. Do you know what I mean? I, I quite like him, but he's just so many, so much injuries. Yeah, and just on Kovacic, I'm a big, big fan. I'm actually that's the worry for me. Um, Not, not, you know, we said about Poch as well, but that Todd Bowley for me, if he's still involved in it and the decision making, uh, Mm -hmm. Kovacic, I know he has his injury problems, but I'll rate him with the best in the Premier League in centre midfield when he's fit. One of the the, the talk was is that they, they were apparently sniffing around um, Casado from Brighton uh, or Ugata Ugati from Porto. Um, you know, is it Porto or Sporting Lisbon? I think he's at one of the two. Um, so they're obviously in the they, they brought in Enzo Fernandez, so they're obviously looking in looking for another midfield partner to go alongside him. And apparently, Kante's signing a new contract, so he's not going anywhere. But yeah, I was surprised that Kovacevic is available, really. Um, especially considering, obviously, that you'd, you'd anticipate that all their work will go into the strikers. Just before we do move on, what kind of a striker do you think that Chelsea are going to go out and buy? And the reason why I ask that is that I actually think the British transfer record will go again this summer. Do you know what I mean? Because um, I think uh, the transfer record is now is it Enzo Fernandez at 105 million, I think it is. Do you think that will go again? Do you think it will be Chelsea that do it? And who, who who do you anticipate that could be on, Mason? I don't see Chelsea spending that kind of money on a striker. Um, I think no. financial fair play is going to be, as as you said there, I think Chelsea are going to be, you have to be very careful with with who they bring in, what kind of money they spend. In. And obviously, as we said, depends on their go out. But I actually, got to be honest, I don't see them spending... I'd like to be wrong, but I don't I don't think they will spend a lot of money. And I think Lukaku will come back with Nkunku coming in. Um, he's not really a, a, a real centre forward, but I, I think I'll be. I actually can see Lukaku uh, staying and, and playing a, a big part next season. Um, I don't know if Donny would, would agree or disagree on that, but um, I honestly don't see Chelsea spending. They're definitely not breaking the record uh, just after the money they've spent last season because. Yeah, as I said, financial fair play has got to come into play at some point. 
Yeah, it's a, risk. Yeah. it'd be a huge gamble to go and spend that again, Jenny. Mm-hmm. Um, we see what happened with Lukaku. I mean, they never really had anybody that was dynamite in that position since Drogba. You know, somebody fully reliable. There's never been they've spent obscene amount of money, but never seen anything for that buck. Um, I said that I touched on. I don't know if it was the last pod or the one before, but I thought there might be a different. Um, Link Lukaku now, a new manager, and things changing. I don't know, it might not be. He might just have his headset where he is. I don't know. But to go and spend all that money, I can't see it because, like I say, it would be too much a gamble. Plus, as Mason said, financial fair play has to come in as well. Yeah. I suppose the reason why I say that is that Lukaku's on a reported 380 grand a week. I don't see that. I don't. I, I see them trying to cash in on him, and I think he's probably he's hot set on staying in Italy anyway. I just wouldn't be surprised that if Chelsea offloaded all these players and then tied somebody down to an eight-year contract that spreads out this financial fair play issue for them. Like I can see them going in for an Osman, you know, one hundred twenty million, for example, or a Vlajevic from Juventus. You know that those kind of players. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went and spent big on a striker and then kind of mopped up all in the other areas of what they're going to be left with. If somebody's stupid enough to do it, it would be Chelsea. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the other way of thinking of you know. So um, I think it's going to be a big window, but I think for a neutral, it's going to be good to see who's coming, who's going, who's staying, um, and who Pochettino even likes. You know, For all we know, he might actually leak off of the team and, and want to keep hold of them. Um, but yeah, that's obviously on a big bit of news that... Pochettino has been sworn at Chelsea, so um, it's just Tottenham now that need to find someone that'll take them. Um, so, so yeah. Um, uh, another bit of big news um, was Ivan Tony's ban coming into effect. So we've known this has been coming on the cards. Um, and for those who don't know, Ivan Tony was charged with I think it was two hundred and thirty-two charges of some form of betting on football. Um, when players are specifically not allowed to bet on football, and it sounds absolutely calamitous. Um, now, not that this saves his great, saves his grace or anything, but the charges all relate from the years 2017 to 2020, which was pre his Brentford days, um, where he was on loan to other teams. I think he was at Wigan, uh, Portsmouth, um, and. God only knows, but the kind of bets he was putting on reportedly were for his team to lose or for him to score. The ones for him to lose, ironically, he wasn't playing. But to still make that bet, I mean, tongue and cheek is one thing, but holy hell, that's that's some stupidity right there. So as a result, 232, he pled guilty and he's now been banned for eight months. Um What's your initial reactions to that? Um, just on the basis of, you know, we've seen other bans been handed out with Trippier, for example. Um, you know, back in days gone, this one's obviously a bit of a statement, Johnny, isn't it? I'll be honest with you, mate. Uh, I'm sitting here and I'm laughing a bit, but it's, it's bad. It's bad. And it's not funny. I mean, if the guy is genuine and he does have an issue, there's nothing funny about that. The whole thing. The ban, um, taking away what he was betting on, I mean, that was criminal enough, but the actual ban and the punishment, I think it's disgusting. And I'll tell you why. It might be a wee bit controversial, but I think every football association, every major football association has let betting companies get their claws into football. Mm -hmm. They accepted that. They took that money. Now it is everywhere. 
every other shot sponsor, every billboard, every advert between games, before, after, it's everywhere. The players are having to do promos for betting companies. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they cannot get away from it. So if you're a player who's maybe came for, you know, before you, you made it big um, and you had the odd punt here or there, next thing you're getting big money and everything in your face and the people you're working for are all these bookies. It would be so easy to get hooked. It's bad enough for the normal guy in the street. Uh, and most of these players, especially at night um, and after training, they don't really do anything. They don't have a lot to do. You know, they'll tell you that themselves a lot of the time. They don't do much. So they're probably sitting on their phone trying to make bets via different sources. So, yeah, I do understand punishment. I do understand it's bad. And I do agree it's bad. But I also think it's been handled terribly. And they need to take some accountability for why there is such a problem with players betting. Mm-hmm. Mason, the, when I was I was I was reading because um, they, they they kind of the FA released all the charges and what each charge essentially carries as a punishment, and for one charge, a player can be banned weeks, months, or if the severity of the charge can actually be banned indefinitely. Two hundred and thirty-two charges, eight months, kind of seems as though he kind of got away with it a little bit. Bearing in mind, two months of it will be spent. So I think I think the clause is that he can't do anything football related until September, but he physically can't. And then he can start training, but he can't actually play again until January. Um, if you were Brentford, you'd feel a bit cheated right about now, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, I think Donny's absolutely spot on there about the, the betting companies. By the way, mm-hmm. he is now now on the head, um, and, and I'll come to Tony in a second, but. Yeah, Brentford, you'd be, as a Brentford fan, you'd be gutted, wouldn't you? You'd be yeah. absolutely devastated because, in my opinion, I don't think they can go and sign anyone in the summer that gives them what Ivan Tony does. Do you know what I mean? In terms mm-hmm. of, not just his goals, by the way, it's just the way he plays for that Brentford team and that mm-hmm. he's a very sort of selfless player for them. Um, and he's actually very, very good at sort of that target man. He's top target man. He's strong um, and he can play as well. So it's a big, big blow here. Yeah, if, if I was Brentford, I'd be. I'd be fuming, but 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 on Ivan Tony, I've got to be honest. Uh, you know, when I first heard it was eight months initially, I thought that's bang out of order. That that's way too long. When I've actually looked into, as you said there, Jamie, you know, betting against his own team and his own teammates and his own club that are actually paying his wages, mm-hmm. um, I could argue I don't think it's, it's long enough. Now, yeah. if if they wasn't in there and it was just betting on other Premier League teams and. You know, I said if there is a, a betting, there obviously is a betting problem there. Then yeah, of course feel feel for him that you know and that needs to to get sorted. But when I see him betting against his own, you know, his own employers and, and things like that, I I, I I was a big fan of the football over Ivan Tony, but having seen that, I've kind of gone the other way in terms of you don't know what he's like, right? You're only saying yeah. what, what you see. But um, yeah, I didn't like that at all, and I think I think he's got a weight lightly. With eight months, and, and it's kind of fun as well because he'll still get his wages during this, and it works out at roughly about two and a half million pounds. So he's going to get two and a half million pounds before he can even train again. Just on that though, I mean, this is the problem though. He's not, he's not, hasn't got a game to look forward to on, mm-hmm. on, a, on a weekday or a Saturday. He's still getting his wages. Mm-hmm. This is where this is the problem. Like, what's you know, this is not a problem. What's he gonna do? You know, it's it's da- I think it's dangerous. 
Yeah. I really do. I think it's dangerous. You don't know what anybody's, you know, mental strength or where they are. And when I what I said when I said how I felt about it, I don't disagree with the ban. And what I do disagree with is how it's been handled with betting companies in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I probably put, came across wrong with that. But if he genuinely does have that issue, we don't know that, but if he does have that problem and gambling when it is hooked and it's bad, people will bet on anything. They wouldn't care if it's their own team. They'd bet against their own granny getting hit with a bus. They wouldn't think twice. Um, mm-hmm. When it's really that bad, you know, it can get it can get quite serious. So I just hope if, he gets if, the help. If I was going to be controversial, I feel like I'm going to be controversial saying this, I don't necessarily believe there's an issue or a habit as such. I think that was probably just used as part of the defence, whether that's right or wrong. And the reason why I'm saying that is that somebody making 232 bets over a four-year period on games that they're not necessarily involved in, but have a have an, have a, a say on, doesn't scream an issue because you would anticipate you'd probably be doing that two or three times, you know, a week. If you were that kind of, you know, if you really had a problem, you had that kind of money. I think it's probably more of stupidity. I mean, why, you know, if you know that you're not playing and then having a bet on your team to lose because you're not playing, kind of screams a bit of stupidity, doesn't it, really? Do you remember when Trippier got banned? Trippier's was for, if I remember rightly, was for betting on a club that he was going to be moving to. So he gave insider information that he was going to be moving to another team. And that was what the bet was. Tony's isn't. Tony's is all about him sounding like he's bored, thinking, fuck it, I'll have a punt while I'm sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, which just seems stupidity. There's no right or wrong. I just feel for Brentford in this because I think, you know, Tony's arguably one of the best strikers in the league at the moment, as Mason's called out and what he brings to the team, not just his goals. He should have had a call for England already this year. But that's been delayed because of obviously this. He's now not going to play again until January. What kind of player is he going to come back? You know, is he still going to have that same that same edge, that same you know form as what he's in now? Arguably not. So it's well, a bit of a tough one. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Mason, that's the title of the pod. <laughs> Um, but yes, that, that, I mean, I wanted to call that out because obviously it's it's not very often that they, they hand these kind of bands out and the eight-month one's obviously a bit of a statement from the FA. Um, so uh, yeah, it was keen just to kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, so uh, also this week we had um, the, the finalisation to relegation and promotion. Um, any surprises in the relegation fate? I don't think there really was, was the Southampton Rory committed before the end of the week and going into the end of the week, um, Leicester needed to win, Everton needed to win, and Leeds needed to win. And I think it was pretty obvious that there was probably only going to be one team that did it comfortably. Um, but let's behold, um, Leicester um, pulled, managed to pull off the win, but it just wasn't meant to be Mason, was it? I think you're on mute, mate. Uh, damage was done, uh, Jamie, before before the, um, the games at, at the weekend. Um, I think since Dean Smith went in there, um, he had games at home. I think it was to Villa yeah. and, and to Bournemouth, um, and he lost both. And and then that's when you really asked their 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 banging trouble here. And um, yeah, it was, we, we spoke about it last week in, in how he sort of shut up shot um, away at St James's Park after conceding, um, I think it was 
nine goals in the, in, in two games before that. Um, when it was just too late, they needed too they late. needed they needed a win last week. They they left it too late, and um, yeah, they beat West Ham. But West Ham for me, obviously, I've got one eye on that European European final, and yeah, disappointing to see. I, I, you know, I think we see it in the group chat today that they the squad they had they shouldn't have been going down, but um, no. you know they they have, and 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 that's you know I think they've got you know me and Jamie. You know, we say all the time that we fan fan of Tillemans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Madison's another one, but I think when the the going got tough down there, they didn't have enough players to roll up the, the sleeves and and pull them out of it. But um, how Everton have, have got out of this one, by the way, um, it, it's I know I expected them to beat Bournemouth. Room my weekend. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but um, watch the game, and I don't think they were great again. To be honest, um, Bournemouth again. I think Bournemouth have been on holiday for the last month since they they stayed up but um yeah ever and i'm just watching them again and I, I think they'll be in another relegation battle but listen they've managed to do it and yeah disappointing for leeds as well the, the, the for me the managerial i'll come on to leeds in a little bit more detail when we've got some of our uh best mm-hmm. and worst but um to a point even to a point sam allardyce for four games to go just just bad decision after bad decision at leeds and it's a shame because they are you know a big club a club you'd like to see stay in the premier league but um just yeah, just, just poor recruitment, poor decisions. Leeds were behind after two minutes, I think it was, wasn't it? You, you kind of knew when it was coming through in the video printer. You're like, that's it. That, well, that's Leeds kind of done and dusted to come back because you know it was always going to be there. It's always going to be between Leicester and Everton. Then, um, Johnny, which game did you follow? Did you watch the Everton flicking, or did you watch the West Ham flicking back? Um, what did I watch? I think I was Everton. but I was doing a wee bit hoping. Um, the the Leicester one uh, kind of echo with what you said. Uh, too good to go down. I know there's no such thing, but realistically, they should never have went down. Uh, when you look at what they had, um, I said it earlier. I still think Rogers going was a mistake. I love him or hate him. Uh, I think he would have kept them up. Um, probably not the man to go forward, but I think he would have kept them up. Everton. I don't know how they manage it. No idea. Um, the the they must just cover the cell in oil before every game mm-hmm. and slip out everything. I don't know. It just looked like it was going to happen this year. It was nailed on, and then they sneak a couple of results. Um, you could see the relief around the stadium at Goodison, couldn't you? Like it kind of took off when they scored the goal. Yeah, um, you can only have to give some credit. I mean, but how how long is that sustainable? You can't keep, you know, flirting that close. I mean, that's the last game, and it's not the first time they've done that. And last season as well, wasn't it? I think last season they they won three two in the last day of the season to yeah, stay up. They needed their result, but they needed other results too. Um, so there's a hell of a lot of luck involved in that. It's not just they're doing. Um, and going forward, they've got a hell of a lot of holes, you know, to patch up if they they want to try and stay out it again. Um. And yeah, Leeds, same as you. I mean, I don't think they've been the same since Bielsa went. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he just found another level with Leeds. He had them playing at another level. I know there was a little dip in form, uh, but that happens to every club. I think when you're a club like Leeds, you know your budget's not the same as higher up on the table. You're going to have patches where you are struggling. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably where it went wrong for them. So, A question for you, Johnny. The, um... 
do either of Leeds, Leicester, or Southampton come straight back up? I, uh, I was thinking about that as well. Same thing. I was looking into it. Um, Southampton, I'm going to say no. The the last time they went down was what 2005, I believe, and they took them seven years to get back up. They're going to lose. I mean, their their players like James Ward Price, for example. I mean, that's that's their heart. If you take him out of the middle of the park for them, I think that's very very hard to replace. And there'll be a few players there that'll probably move on as well. I mean, I might be proven wrong, but I don't think so. Um, Leicester. I'm going to say no again. Um, I think I don't Even think they have the support. They've got two of the team to go down. I don't think. Uh, well, I agree with that, and I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, all those big names still took them down. Yeah. Uh, you know that's their responsibility, not just the manager. It's a big part of them. I mean, they were awful for a long time, and then they're going to lose the big names they've got. Is it seven, eight out of contract, and the bigger players will, will get bought. And I don't think they'll get the support or the funding or at least not enough to bounce straight back up. Uh, Leeds, possibly. I would say possibly with Leeds. Mason, same question for you. Would any of the three that went down come straight back up? I think, I think to be honest, to be honest, fellas, I think a big one is is who um, the managers are. For, for, especially for, for Leicester and Leeds. I, listen, Southampton, obviously, we spoke, you know, Russell Martin. Um, I don't see that I can see them sort of being put now for 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 a few years, um, but but Leeds and Leicester, I, I'd like to think they'd both bounce up uh, and, and get back up. But um, Leicester, they've both got such big rebuilds, and this is the problem with 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 any club, you know. And and you you going in, you're looking at signing maybe nine or ten players in one window, and then it all gelling. And we know that the championships like two games a week, um, and they're going to be the the two teams that everyone's looking at now. Um, mm-hmm. in, in that championship, they're going to be looking at the scouts. But the interesting one at Leeds because I think they got rid of their their um, main guy that does their their recruitment um, as well. So um, there's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of changes there. Um, I, I think out the three, I'd probably say Leeds um, just for the so size size of the football club and the budget. I think they'll have compared to to everyone else. But um, listen, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, what all three do. Uh, next season, they should. They, I mean, on paper, they should bounce, but I think there's too many factors that's going to make it difficult. And you've got teams down there as well, you know, who were close. Your, your Middlesbrough, um, they're going to be pushing all the way. Um, and there was quite a few around the playoff area who were very close uh, in points to the rest, just didn't make the cut. I think it's going to be a very long season for them. Good. Uh, yeah, I. I Totally agree. I think Leeds and Leicester are probably in a better position to come straight back up, but I don't necessarily think that's guaranteed. Um, and yeah, I think Southampton are going to struggle for a while. Um, you know, with the, the the age of their squad, shall we say, um, is 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 a bit of you know they're very young, aren't they? Um, and trying to come back up would be you know it's one of the hardest ones to do. Um, cool. So um, yeah. Well, well, 
that was probably the main news points that have obviously been happening in the last week. Um, the only last thing to cover would probably be the playoff final. I don't know if either of you managed to catch the playoff final. The playoff final was between um, Luton Town and Coventry City. Um, and I don't know about you lads, but it was probably one of the boring, most boring games um, or the most boring playoff finals I can remember. Um, what's your thoughts on Luton coming up via the penalties? Uh, listen, fair play to to, to Luton for, for doing it. Um, every time you sort, I sort of looked at the championship, and I think they have they were third, fourth, pretty much, you know, the whole way, whole way through. Um, just always, I've got to be honest, just sort of looked at them and thought, there's no way they'll be in the Premier League. Just um, I've, I've played at their stadium, and it's it's awful to be honest. Um, it's it's I just can't believe it's going to be a, a Premier League stadium. But that's listen, that's not the players and. You know they've done really well, and as you said, Johnny, uh, Jamie, that them games, them playoff games. Uh, you know, Sheffield Wednesday was one, and another one I watched the other day. The, the, the standard of football in both of them games is, is so bad, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know everyone's scared to make mistakes. Players don't go and express themselves. There's so much, um, you know, for it. But um, yeah, felt for commentary. Um, I, th- I thought that they, yeah, it could have gone either way. I'm a big fan of, of their midfield, Hamer, the Dutch boy. Mm-hmm. I think someone will go and go and pick him up. I thought he was, you know, in in the playoffs and and, and he he was a standout. But um, yeah, it's just mad to think Luton Town are going to be in the, the Premier League. I, I think they was they was were they, were they in the conference not even ten years ago. Um, quite quite incredible, really. Yeah, I think I think I read somewhere that they're the first team to go from from the from the uh, non-league right through to the Premier League in a consistency uh, projected up, but it's probably taken nearly the best part of ten years to do so. Um, so yeah, absolutely brilliant for them. John, obviously you would have seen the game as well. Any thoughts on 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 Luton Town being in there? I'm delighted. Yeah, oh, I think I'm one of the the, the few. Uh, I've been to Luton as well. I mean, granted, it was a long time ago, but I just think there's something I don't want to say magical, but I think it adds something mm-hmm. having that kind of old school, you know, stand that's is not. Top of the line is not some fancy oval. It looks like a dog's hut that's just packed full of people. I love that. I mean, I it's, so... it's got shades of. Do you remember when Blackpool came up? Yeah, yeah. Remember that? You know, and they kind of shocked everybody, and they were they were getting crazy wins, weren't they? Um, it's just yeah. kind of got that aura about it. I think. I'd seen a, a tweet. I think it was yesterday about they can't wait to see how VAR works. <laughs> somebody else cutting in to somebody's house to check them on it. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's I think it's going to be fun. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the game was bad. I think most of the playoff games weren't the best. I think there's a hell of a lot on the line in terms of finance for these clubs. So you can understand it being really, really cagey. Um, the I'm looking forward to seeing uh, yeah how they what they do when they come up and how they go on. Um, we've got a hell of a lot of money and you know invested into this new stadium. Ten million, I think, we're going to put forward. They've they? got. Uh, well, the, the stadium itself is costing a hundred dollars. I don't know what they have to pay that. I'm assuming they'll get help, mm-hmm. but they also have to improve their main stand to to make it up to you know compliance with the, the Premier League. So that's more money. Um, so it makes you wonder how much, how do they invest? Because as you said, they've done so well to come up straight. You know, not straight, but in such a short time for the the, the lower the the lower leagues and. There's still players who were in that team in the lower leagues who actually played in that playoff final. That's that's crazy. 
Yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting. I, I, it's it's kind of hard to say. Like you, you, you kind of fear for them being in the Premier League, but at the same time, you want to see them see how they get on with it. Um, yeah. Purely on the basis because they are well, they will be, they will be the you know the the underdog story in every single game that they go into. Um, cool. Um, good. To, are we good to kind of you know highlight you know f- figure out obviously when the fixtures come out where those kind of games are going to be. We've got we've got Burnley coming up. We've got Sheffield United, and now we've got Luton Town. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they fare on next season. Um, thought we'd have a little bit of fun with uh, the remaining part of the podcast. What I'd be kind of keen to do is kind of max up a little bit and get some of your thoughts on some of the standout times that have happened in the league. It's been a bit of a weird league this season, purely on the basis that um, there's been so much, there's been so much guff this season. I talk about Liverpool's performance in the first half of the season. I talk about Chelsea throughout the season, Arsenal um, at the beginning of the season blowing everybody away and still not winning the league. Um, City um, won one game against the top nine teams away from home this season and still won the league at a canter. Like, where does that record even come? It's absolutely mad to see that you know th- these these kind of these kind of stats have come into the season. Yet we're talking about is this the best city team ever? I'm not buying it really. I'm not. Um, so what I've done is I've kind of pulled out a couple of quick questions. And um, Mason, I'll start with you. What do you think's been the best moment of the season? See, this is a, a really uh, tough one. This is probably the toughest that you, you sent. To be fair, that was. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm gonna probably go a little bit. No, I will go. I will go best moment in terms of I think how the season sort of panned out. I'll go with um, Kevin De Bruyne's opening goal at, um, at the Emirates. The lob, the mistake. The lob. Yeah, the, I think it was the mistake with um, uh, the fullback Timiasu. Was it Timiasu made made the Timiasu? Yep. He slipped and De Bruyne put it in. And I think before that game, Arsenal were seven points clear. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if they would have sort of got even a draw, um, I think that a week before that, I would have, if you'd have asked me this question, I would have said it would have been Reese Nelson's winner in the last minute against against Bournemouth. Uh, that's when I sort of, I think you boys, you and, and Graham were on saying it's Arsenal's year. And you we're, could on, just, we're on the table, weren't we, Sweden? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was weird. But, but Kevin, that, that goal, I think, I know Arsenal did, did go and equalise, but there was no doubt in my mind that, that, that City were going to go on and win the title. And uh, if I had to pick any moment, I'd probably probably pick that one. Johnny, what about you? Same question. <laughs> uh, it's so hard to narrow down. Um, there's been so many games that have had key points. Uh, teams turning form. Uh, games getting turned on their head. The league getting turned on its head, like Mason had just pointed. I, I mean, I wrote so many down, and I ended up going with light-hearted stuff rather than just moments and games. Okay. So I'm just going to prattle a few. I'll go Let's fast. Go <laughs> okay. So one we spoke about earlier, where one of the best moments for me was to shell and Conte, which we spoke about pre-pod, having the, the fight and watching Conte's hair just going mad. Was it, got just, angry just to, and just clarify, that was the that was the handshake where they wouldn't let yeah, go of yeah. each other. Yep. It started as a handshake and then it became a bromance. <laughs> uh, the where am I? Grealish, Grealish, where one of his interviews saying it was the best thing since sliced veg. 
That still cracks me up to this day. I thought that was excellent. The game-wise, I thought the the Liverpool nine 0 over Bournemouth was something. It was just ridiculous. Uh, no team should be putting nine past another team in the Premier League. I know it didn't have a huge effect on where we are come the end of the season, but it was amazing to see Brentford four 0 over United at the start of the season. That was magical. Uh, mm-hmm. Not great for the Man United fans, admittedly. Um, so, yeah, light-hearted ones. But, you know, if I had to just say one thing, the most amazing thing or the best thing of the season for me is the rise of Brighton in general. Uh, just how amazing they've been, how far they've came. And I think out of the whole Premier League, and I don't say this lightly, I think they're the best-run club right now in that league. So, yeah, I would go with them. I like it. Um, I probably kind of like you guys struggle with this one. However, when I, the more I thought about it, the more I kept going back to what made me kind of feel um, very good about it. And it, it's hard to not put a Liverpool situation into it because, you know, we've been so shit for the whole season. But when Xhaka decided to have a square goal with Trent and you just felt, I just remember feeling the whole stadium was kind of just turned on its head and it was like we were 2-0 down at the time. And it wasn't about Liverpool coming back and winning 2-0. It was about the bottle was going because they blew the 2-0 lead. And then from there, they went on and done a 2-2 against West Ham. Then they went on and lost. It was just, it was like it sparked something. But it didn't just spark something in Arsenal's demise. It was actually it sparked something in Liverpool because actually that's when they started to turn it around and they went on a run. So best moment for me was starting to feel like Liverpool would be in Liverpool again, you know, um, coming back into into that game and kind of going on a run at the end. So I'm I'm, I'm very biased with that, and I'm, I'm I hold my hand up to that. Um, but for comical value, yeah, um, the Conte and Tuchel fight at the beginning of the season um, was was hilarity. Um, Casemiro's second red card, and Anthony was telling him on the pitch, "I'll win this for you," and they go on and lose it like two 0 I think it was, like. You know, just comical things that um, I don't want to just keep picking on the menu, but um, those kind of things have been flashed up. Do you remember Anthony with his uh, with his little disco spins? Um, and like, just what, what the fuck was that? It's like absolutely ninety million to do a wee spin on the on the outside um, and then pass it back away. Just silly things like that. Um, who, go on, jump. Sorry, who was it? Martinez bounced off of when he tried to square up. Well, who was that again? Oh, he tried to chest bump. Was it like damn yeah, one or yeah. something like that one? He ran up to him as for a, you know, like a square, and he went about three yards back the way. It, it was, was either Lewis or damn bun or something like that, wasn't it? It was like one of the big old boys. <laughs> that just one bumped. just sprang into my head. Sorry, that's <laughs> okay. Um, let's flip the question. What do you think's been the worst moment of the season? As in, like, what's the one that you've looked to just went, oh, don't like that? Um, Mason, I'll start with you again. Uh, Chelsea sacking Thomas Tuchel is right up there. Um, really? Yeah, that, yeah, that that was one um, at the time. Yeah, I know Chelsea uh, didn't didn't went through a little bit of a, a wobbly stage and had a bad result in Europe. Um, but I said at the time that's going to be one that they'll regret. Um, but if I'm going to again another ma- managerial sacking and, and and Johnny's touched on it earlier, um, where I thought no that that's going to that's going to come back to bite and would be Leicester getting rid of Brendan Rodgers at that, at that point. Um, and especially bringing in Dean Smith 
I think they sealed their own fate with, with that one. So, uh, yeah, at the two, I'll probably go with, considering Leicester ended up obviously getting relegated, I'll, I'll go um, sacking Rodgers and replacing him with Dean Smith. OK. Johnny? Uh, I highlighted the the same two that the Mason just covered. With Chelsea, I was much more broad, though. I really just put Chelsea and underlined it three times. <laughs> it's, that's probably more of a personal thing. It's just... It's quite hard to accept how far they've fallen. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, a poor season. That's a god-awful season that was flirting with relegation. Um, and when you look at what's invested, that's it's mm-hmm. very, very hard to get your head around it. Um, with Leicester, I kind of went with uh, win a title, win an FA Cup, win a Community Shield. Sorry, win promotion first. Uh, is that everything they won, and then relegated another team who, with a lot of the same players who have mm-hmm. fallen really, really far. Um, I mean, I suppose if I say to Chelsea, it would probably be far more personal, so it would probably be a wee bit unfair. So, yeah, probably, I think, the worst moment, or most shocking moment, I suppose, was Leicester going down. Fair enough. Um, for me, I I tried to keep it nice and simple, but the more I think about it, the more I still don't understand it. And I, 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 no matter how many times they try and explain it, I still don't get it. And then I'll take you back to the Rashford goal against Man City. Do you remember when he was offside for about 30 yards and they still gave it? Like, I, I remember. So I, think, I forget, I think it was Man City and Man U. Um, and Rashford, I think it was going to make it two each at the time. There was a ball across the back and Rashford ran over the ball but didn't touch it. And he ran with it for about 20 yards. Didn't touch it, didn't touch it. And then he slotted the basketball goalkeeper and VAR deemed that he wasn't interfering with play. I still oh, don't get I that do decision. The more I think about it, the more I see it. I still scratch my head and go, even the explanation doesn't make sense. They said he wasn't interfering with play. He was practically shading the ball. He was practically over the top of the ball, like letting it run through his legs and stuff. I still don't get that decision one bit. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, VAR's had a lot to answer for this season with a lot of its dodgy decisions, but I think that's right up there with the most calamitous, shall we say. Um, Mason, want to know you like talking about what's your game of the season? Again, this is a this is a tough one. I was going through it a few, but um, in terms of I'm trying to, as you said earlier, Jamie, that feeling you had after you watched the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pick out a couple. Newcastle um, three, Man City three. Early on in the season it was a really good, really good game of football, and um, probably just you know showed us a bit of both of what we was going to get for the, throughout the rest of the season. I thought Newcastle excellent um, as they ended up, and obviously Man City and and Haaland. Um, you touched on the Chelsea 2, uh, Spurs 2. That was a really good game of football. Um, and obviously, it had it all with the, the Harry Kane equaliser in, in the last minute and um, and uh, Tuchel and, and Conte at it, which was brilliant to see. But in terms of actual 90 minutes, um, probably a game of two halves. Um, it's got to be Liverpool against Arsenal, the two-all game. I think actual quality as well. Even Arsenal for the first 30, 35 minutes, I thought were very, very good. Probably as best as I've Destroyed us, destroyed us. Best of seen, especially yeah. at Anfield. Um, yeah. you know, and it not, wasn't in one side either, it was on both sides. Martinelli on one and Saka on the other. Absolutely destroyed us. I'll say that, no problem. 
Yeah, no, they, they really were. And it's, 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 you know, I know Liverpool haven't had the best of seasons, but it's not often you see a team go to Anfield and dominate like that. Um, but then, and, and then, as you said, exactly gets the crowd up. And, and I thought Liverpool done exactly the same to, to Arsenal in the second half. But um, that was end to end. That was, there was so much on it for Arsenal, but, but obviously Liverpool as well trying to get Champions League. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be my, be my pick of, of game of the season. Johnny? I've got the same written down. Uh, I think I added one more, but I had the 2-2 game with Liverpool and Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title was still in Arsenal's hands at that point. Uh, they started off, like you said, they, were, they came out of the traps and looked like they were going to stick five or six past Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was Zaka got annoyed and fired up the natives and the game got turned on its head. And then it was all Liverpool. Uh, or at least that's who the, 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 the home crowd got, got the blame. Or the credit, as should I say. All right. Newcastle 3-3 with City. Um, another cracking game. I think what was good for that game is it kind of gave us a, a sign of what to expect for Newcastle. You know, that they weren't going to kind of go away. disappear into the shadows. Yeah, they, I mean, they were, they were serious and they played well that day. I, I think taking all that away, taking what the game was worth and what it meant, I think my most enjoyable game was probably a recent one was Liverpool 4-3 over Tottenham. That was mm-hmm. just that game had everything. And it was such a wild way to end a game of football. Um, we've seen what happened with the Charleston celebrating. Liverpool got the pitch and score. It was just amazing. It was a cracking game. So, yeah, I think I'd go with that. And and again, no surprise, I'm going to be biased. But you guys have kind of stole it already because actually, as much as a shite season Liverpool have had, They've had a 9 0 they've had a 4-3, they've had a 2-2 against Arsenal. But actually, the one for me stands out was a 7-0 against Man United. Like, you know, to do that against our arch rivals um, was just un- unfathomable. You know, we- we've done them, um, we've won that game comfortably the last few years, your twos and three nils, but 7-0, um, like, we've done them dirty. And this, I think even Klopp said it at the end of the season when in a press conference, he said, what do you think this season will be remembered for? And he, went, and he literally said 7-0. And then the whole room just started laughing because it was Man U. We did that too. It wasn't wasn't 9-0 against Bournemouth, you know, which you would think is arguably a better scoreline. Not to a Liverpool fan. It's, it's definitely the Man U game. So, yeah, this season, for as shite as it's been and as terrible as it's been, to beat Man U 7-0, I'd probably trade that every season, actually. <laughs> Just that thought, you know, that feeling that goes with that kind of game. Um, yeah, second to none for me. So, no surprises. I'm a little bit biased. From a neutral point, I think Arsenal have been in a few of them. Um, I think, um, was it the Man U game? Um, Arsenal-Man U uh, at, the, at the turn of the year. That was an absolute barnstormer as well. Um, but I think, yeah, you guys kind of hit it as well. The, the, the Newcastle... Uh, it was pretty much more of an announcement one, Johnny, that um, we're here. Don't forget about us. Um, and it finished three each that game, cracking game. Um, probably a more easier one to pick. Um, player of the season. Um, Johnny, I'll go with you first. Player of the season, a quick, a quick reason why. Okay. Right. Obviously, the easy answer is the, the, the Nordic meat sheep. <laughs> uh, he's, he's landed a uh, he's a demolition ball. He we we, we kind of said preseason, um, you know, any forward who could put in say maybe fifteen at another club 
consistently season by season. And they went into that Man City team with the chances they create. They're going to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, any you know any penalty box player, he's a different level. So when you start coming there, you, he's just he's run right. I mean, there's no other word for it. And there's no team that's been able to contain him properly. And you're talking about some of the biggest in Europe and that. So he's the easy answer. Uh, I've been incredibly impressed with Martin Odegaard and how far he's came on. He, he's always been kind of, you know, this special wonder kid, but never really seemed to come where we expected or to the level yeah, we thought. It seems he's had a longer journey than Haaland to get there, hasn't he? Yeah, he's went, I, yeah, I'd agree. He's went a long way around. I think he, some of his moves that he's made have not been, they've been at, he's went to certain clubs years too early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's found his place at Arsenal and he's he's been excellent. He really has, especially this season. Um, he's been a big standout for them. So, yeah, easy answer, Haaland. But I'm going to go Odegaard. I'm going to be different. And a wee shout out for Cassiedo at Brighton as well. I think he's been phenomenal. Good. Like it, Mason? Uh, yeah, easy. As Johnny said, easy one is Haaland and uh, the goals he scored. Um Actually, had a had a had a bet on the start of the season with with my cousin. He won't listen to this podcast because he's a big Celtic supporter. But um, he he told me that that Haaland wouldn't get more than ten goals. Um, so that's the easiest fifty quid I've ever I've ever won. But um, Haaland Haaland would be yeah Haaland would be. But I've got to mention um, big fan of Rodri, and I think he obviously Haaland's goals. But if you take Rodri out of that Man City team, I does I don't think it functions in the way. That it, that it does, and I think he's so underrated. Um, so, um, Haaland's the obvious one, but um, I've got to give a shout-out to Rodri as well. I heard one the other day that actually shocked me. Somebody said that Rodri's 26 years old, and I went, what? 26? <laughs> he looks about 35 or something, like he's just been around for years. And like, he is, he's actually only 20. That's frightening. Yeah. That's he's, frightening. He, he's, he's a machine, mate. And, and Pep needs that kind of player. You know, you look mm-hmm. at his Barcelona team with with respects and and how good he was, and probably again, I think he was really underrated. Just getting the credit now because he's calling it a day. But um, yeah, Rod- Rodri's absolutely he, he, he's top draw, mate. Top draw. Yeah, so um, against us though. <laughs> 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 um, I I I find it hard to cut. You know to challenge anybody that said that Holland's not player of the season. He is obviously the easy option, but I think you have to put it into context. He's not just come in and scored goals. He's broken all the records along with it. He's topped Salah's um, 35 goals on his debut season in the Premier League. I think he finished with 36. Keep me right, I think he got four Premier League hat-tricks, which is, again, uh, higher than anybody else has done in a single season. He's been an absolute machine. And I said, I said to Mason before we come on on air, he's got a wide range of goals in him. But my favourite is that five yard run head. You know, the ball that's chipped into the five yard box, six yard box, and he just takes that one step and he's up. Nobody's nobody's within two foot of him in terms of height wise. It's ridiculous how high he gets, and he's so accurate with his touches. I think if you begin, if you go back to the beginning of the season, he was scoring. All sorts of goals, like hanging the dangly leg out to, over the back of him, and it was flicking in. He was firing himself and all sorts. He's not scoring rockets. You remember when Aguero signed? He was scoring all those absolute pillars from the edge of the box. Haaland's a whole different beast. Um, you were talking about that at Dortmund, wasn't he? He's a wee yeah, bit different. Yeah, it's yeah, like 100%. Dortmund, he was, he was doing that. 
And 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 that's I mean Johnny, you'll know uh, we've we've known each other a long time, and we you know we we've always followed uh, German football and and so forth. And Haaland's not new. Like I know he's new to City fans, but like he's been doing this at Austria, he's been doing this at Germany. This lad's an absolute machine. Um, you know, it was just whether or not he could take that step up, but he was always built for that step, in my opinion. Um, and he's showing it. He's absolutely world class. I've got all the time in the world for him. And you know what I like as well is he's so down to earth. Even his, his press conferences, his, his talks after matches, he doesn't say the stuff a captain says. He says he says the young boy stuff like he's like he swore after when they handed the trophy, he was cuddling Jack Grealish and he swore saying, "I fucking love you, mate." Because he's just been a young lad, and I quite like that. It's good to see an unfiltered version of him. Um, but like Johnny, if I was to give him a special mention, I think Odegaard has been next level. Um, people actually don't realise that he scored 15 league goals this season um, on top of all of his assists. And in my opinion, he steered Arsenal in many of the games that they were doing at the beginning. Um, Saka was getting applauded. Martinelli was getting applauded. But who was playing them in? It was Odegaard. Odegaard's been sensational this season. I would argue Odegaard's probably one of those players that you could pick up and actually drop him into the City team, and he probably improves that midfield. If you think of like a Rodri, um, a De Bruyne, I think Odegaard could replace a Bernardo Silva or a Gundogan. I think he's that good. Um, I think he's destined for that. So, um, yeah, I would agree with John on that one. Um, okay, um, and obviously you have to go to the other end of the product. Who would you say has been the worst player? <laughs> now, I don't want to get this confused with the worst transfer. Who would you say has probably been arguably the worst player? And give me a quick rationale why. Mason, what would you say? I'm going to go... He was a player that moved last summer, so it's not a transfer. I just think for the money... And his actual performances, whenever I've watched him, I'm just like, you are dog, dog shit. Um, Rich Harlison. Yes, um, I knew somebody would pick him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got an awful celebration uh, as well that, that gives me up every time I see it. But um, You mean the yeah, one he gets booked for every time, but then it gets presented? Yeah, he's yeah, not made laugh the one against Liverpool. It took it, but yeah. And then they went up the other end and got the winner. But um I'm I've just uh, yeah, anytime I watch him, mate, I think he gives the ball away too often and I don't see him busting the gut to get it back. He's finishing at times, he's erratic. Um and, and I've just just I think I, I will go with Rich Allison, but I'm gonna go with Sterling close second as well. Um I think that there's there's a big I think there was always gonna be Pep listen, Pep gets rid of players, he knows when to, to get rid of players and mm-hmm. him getting rid of Sterling at the time I think raised a few eyebrows, but they went and brought in um, Alvarez, um, and, and that's why I let Sterling go. But um, yeah, Sterling again, he's Chelsea could have had a few more goals if he could uh, finish, but he, he's finishing again so right. But uh, yeah, Richarlison is clear, he'd be my, my pick. Johnny, what about your helmet? Oh, see, I, I, I had a few, but they haven't really played a hell of a lot. But then again, I suppose Richarlison hasn't either. So one. I felt as always hugely overrated. I see him this season as Alex Awobi. Uh, <laughs> honestly, if you're new listening to the pod, I'm an amputee and I could do 10 times the job that Alex Awobi could do <laughs> in any position on the pitch. Never, ever a professional football player. Uh, close second is Oxley Chamberlain. 
Aye, but they're just side mentioned. I suppose putting the nail on the head and picking one, I would go with Obama Yai, Boomerang. I think awful signing, awful yeah. attitude. Has no interest in being there. Why he went there, I will never know. Um, I think that there was more involved in that regarding fair play and stuff, but just no professional attitude whatsoever. So, terrible player, terrible signer. Um, Mason stole my thunder. I was definitely going to go with Charles. I thought he's been absolutely honking for 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 a sixty million for what he did for Everton last season to kind of get them back up and kept them on the right to go for a big money move sixty million. He's just not lived up to anything. However, I want to be a bit different, so um, I'm actually going to go to the other end of the park. I'm going to go with Christian Romero. Um, Romero at the end of last season was tipped to be you know the next stalwart of defenders. Go to the World Cup. Um, he'd be sensational. I think he's been absolutely shocking this season, and he's been part of that defense of Everton of Spurs. Sorry, that have been absolutely terrible as well. Um, he he's so rash in the challenges. He's probably one of the first picks to get a yellow card every game. You know, if you were looking at it from a betting point of view, because he's just nailed on every time to either get involved in a tussle. Um, go too quick, too too sharpish with a ta- with a tackle, um, and he just puts his whole team under pressure every single time. You could make cases for Eric Dyer, um, Longley, all the other players in that backline, but actually Romero was meant to be the one that stepped. He was the one that was meant to lead them this season and kind of take take the pressure off Loris and be the one that that, that kind of guided them. And I just think he's been absolutely terrible. Saying that, he still went to the World Cup and got a bloody uh, a World Cup winners medal right enough. But um, yeah, I think he's been absolutely shocking. But my first pick would have been Richardson. Um, I'll be shocked if we're not all aligned on this one. What would you say would be the worst transfer of this season, um, Mason? I'll go with you first. It's got to be Ruta, Ruta, Ruta um, <laughs> at Leeds. That was in January as well. Um, <laughs> 36 million um, record transfer for Leeds and um, everything around it really to spend that much money on a player that wasn't prolific and wasn't banging him in um, and, and even you know I think it was at Hoffenheim um, uh, and then obviously letting Jesse Marks make that signing and then a week 10 days later sacking him um, I, at the time Leeds needed a goal scorer they, they probably could have got Three strikers um, for ten million pound each. Um, that that would have done it. You know, would have been been more sensible. But couldn't understand that signing. And and obviously it's costly. Uh, Leeds um, their place in the in the Premier League. So um, easy one. I'm going to go with with him. Johnny, please tell me you're the same. That's the first one written down. Yeah, for the exact same reasons. <laughs> yeah. as, as we spoke about before. It is absolutely baffling, bizarre. Uh, for a team that are now down to yeah. never even try them when they couldn't buy a goal. I mean, I don't know. It, it just makes, it just makes no sense at all, No. I'll give you a second one. Uh, Yves Basuma, I think he's been mm-hmm. a complete flop. Uh, I think he cost them twenty-five, thirty million, million. Mm-hmm. And he was excellent at Brighton. Absolutely yeah. brilliant at breaking up the play and doing the stuff nobody else wants to do. And then went to Spurs and fell into obscurity. Uh, and they so, played yeah. the lad skip over him, didn't they, Oliver Skip? Yeah. Yeah. They get yeah. all of us get yeah. That's another surprise. Um, yeah, I think Ruta would be the most obvious pick. Um, I you know, I can't really add any more to what you said. The, the, a club record signing probably gets about nine minutes in since January. Can't buy a goal, but for some reason, I think it was even compounded when Big Sam came out two weeks ago and said he'll be good for next year. 
like fucking share the championship next year with me talking about so that I, I still don't get that at all I mean um, that's what he meant maybe that was a simple you know subliminal <laughs> message that'll be his level yeah um okay um short result of the season um that we've obviously touched on a few games what's the one that stands out and goes didn't see that one coming um johnny i'll ask you first mate you know what my answer is going to be. You're waiting for this. I think this question is a setup. You know, we Liverpool, seven Man United, zero. Uh, ridiculous result. Completely shocked. Pretty much everybody. Uh, fantastic for the bragging rights. Uh, just, you just, it's one of those results you just do not see coming. And it wasn't just a seven 0 It was a seven 0 absolute molly. It could have been far more scoring that whatever time they were at the pitch, really they were going to score. So, yeah, it can only be that. I think they were bringing people on at the end just to get a goal, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Mason, what about yourself, mate? So, you know what? I shouldn't be laughing because uh, we've obviously took a, a heavy one off Liverpool uh, this season. But, um, yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go with a, with a saying. Um, not often you're going to beat your, your biggest rivals. By seven goals, and yeah, as, as Johnny just said, it could have been. It could have been. There was a chance to go and get eight, nine, and ten there. By the way, um, yeah, just just didn't see it. And, and considering going into the game, Man United were were doing really well, and Liverpool is a little bit in and out of form. But um, oh yeah, that was a uh, yeah. That's got to be the, the shock, definitely. Well, I think I'm actually going to shock the two years. I never picked that. <laughs> I tried to be a bit impartial. Um, <laughs> I actually, the the one that stands out to me, I, I remember, I remember obviously the Man U got beat off Brentford and then they got beat off Brighton. But actually, the one that always stands out is the one that um, is the game week just before the World Cup started. Um, Brentford went to Man City and beat them two one. Ivan Tony, and it was like because it, it it kind of threw City's plans of getting back into the title race all up in the air because it was always going to be well they're going to be on these points they're going to come back from the from the winter break and then they're going to get at it. Nobody expected Brentford to go there and overturn them. And I think it was Tony that scored the first. I think Foden got the City goal and then Tony scored the you know the winner. And nobody's seen it coming. And an honourable mention out as well to well, the fact that Brentford are the only team to do the double over Man City this season. They beat them home and away. But in a season of crazy results, I think those kind of results probably go a little bit under the radar. Um, so yeah, mine was actually Brentford against City. Um, I thought that one was for me was a bit of a standout. Um, cool. Um, and we, I'll bring it on to the last bit then, just to kind of wrap us up. Don't know, we've obviously kept you a little bit, guys. Um, but I'd be interested to kind of get a quick general overview of what your team of the season would look like. Um, I'm not too precious about how many players you've got from one team or if you're playing a four. Three, two, three, seven, four, two, one. Um, you know, um, reality is, is that I, I'm just inclined to actually see, you know, if your picks are very similar to mine. Um, I'll, I'll try and keep it nice and light, sorted. Uh, for goalkeeper, um, Johnny, who's your standout goalkeeper for you? I went with Nick Pope. Nick Pope, Mason. Yeah, gotta be Nick Pope. Easy. That was an easy one. I went Allison. I think Allison. Allison for, me, for me, for me, Allison's been Liverpool's best player. So um, I wasn't getting Salah in my team, so I thought, well, I'm getting Allison in my team because I think he's by far the best shot stopper in the league. But uh, I get your rationales. Um, right back, Johnny. Uh, Triple. Mason. 
again, got to be got to be Trippier by, by a yeah. mile. Yep, I went with Trippier as well. See, I'm not, I'm not against Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> centre backs, two centre backs, Johnny. I went with, even with the injury, Saliba. Um, I think we've seen the importance of uh, and the, the, the season did go when he got injured. Uh, it's there for everybody to see. And John Stones, I think he's improved a lot. Mason. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Johnny on 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 Saliba. I think um, he's been a big surprise for me, and and to think Arsenal, you know, been loaning him out uh, the last few years. He was excellent, <laughs> and yeah, just when he took him out of it, and they had Rob Holding, and then the, the Polish guy ended up coming in the end. It was just such a big drop off. I thought he was excellent, Saliba. But um, I actually went with uh, Stones is a great shout. I think he's been excellent, but I went with Diaz. Uh, big fan of Diaz, and I thought he, he he's been excellent as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Diaz, but I, I'm I'm actually not the same as Johnny. I think Stones has turned games. He's actually won them games as well, with a couple of goals, um, important goals in the time of games. Um, I actually went a bit different for my second centre half. I, I, I think Saliba was an easy pick, but because he should be because he got injured, I think this players went under the radar, and that's Pinnock at Brentford. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Brentford have had a really good clean. I think they've had about 13 clean sheets this season. Pinnock's chipped in with a couple of goals, and I think he's just went massively under the radar. And you always get one of them that, that kind of hover around and, um, and and have. He's probably never going to have a good enough season like that again. But I think I could have easily went with Sven Botman, but I'd already got Trippier. So um, Pinnock was uh, an alternative choice, should I say. So I went Stones and Pinnock. Uh, left back, Johnny? Estupian. Mason? Agree. Again, uh, Johnny's at it now on the yeah. early. He's, he's been the standout. Not Zinchenko and anyone listening thinking. I think Zinchenko's been good, but defensively, I think, you know, the, the Brighton boys have been, been terrific. Three for three, I think Estupian's been absolutely brilliant. I'm surprised if there won't be many a team looking at him this week, this summer, because I think he's been arguably one of Brighton's best players. Um, big fan of Estupian. Um, midfield, Johnny, who have you gone for midfield? This one, this one's a stretch. Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> right, uh, just let me let me reason. Okay, so on the right, on the right, I put. So I got, what formation right. have you went? What what formation have you went for here? Just just four four two. Okay. Um, now these maybe maybe not always, but they can definitely play in these positions. Okay, so Rashford <laughs> on the right, Casiedo, and holding mid. Odegaard alongside them, and Salah on the left. Okay, Mason. Uh, I'm going with a four-one-three-two. So I'll go with the. I'll go with the, the same as Mason. I went the same as Mason. The the, the base of the, the midfielder, as I spoke about earlier, Rodri. Um, you got to have him in there. I think Casado is a close shout, but I think Rodri's just been been excellent with uh, Kevin De Bruyne and um, Odegaard. And I've put in Saka in 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 there as well because I can't. I feel like I can't leave him out. But um, yeah, I'll give you the strikers in a minute. But yeah, that, that's my midfield. It's yeah, Saka in a slightly different position just to get him in. So um, yeah, I, I went with the one holding midfield and the three in front of him. So I went with Rodri, I went with Odegaard, I went with Kevin De Bruyne, and I went with Saka. Um, I kind of can't argue with it as much as I want to put Salah in there. Um, I think go go back to the beginning of the season and Saka was lighting teams up. Um, you can make an argument of shout for Martinelli, but I think but Saka's the one that makes it tick. 
Um, I think Odegaard and Kevin De Bruyne have been outstanding. Um, Honourable mentions would be Casado. It's kind of a weird one because actually, see if you watch Casado's games, he very rarely starts in midfield. They start him at right back and then halfway through the game, they move him into, into the midfield because they change formation. It's just mad how how easy he finds that transition. Um the Rashford one, Johnny. What, what was, what was, what did you base that on? Just how well he's been this season, or I think he's carrying Man United between yeah. him and Casemiro. Between the two of them, you take them out, and yeah. I think they would be bottom half. I genuinely do. Um, I think the lad's been outstanding. He kind of took a lull, not a lull, but a drop in form in terms of goals. But this season, under uh, Ten Hag, he's been he's been great. He's just that for you. I seen this earlier and it actually kind of surprised me and I don't know why it surprised me, but it really did. Um, Rashford scored 17 goals this season. That's one less than what Ronaldo scored last season. You've, does that make it a really... Does that make him having a really good season? When Because I, I kind of look back and I think about Ronaldo on his last year, right, Man United, and you just think he was absolutely shy. He couldn't have touched a ball. But he actually still got 18 goals. And you think Rashford is completely right. Johnny said he's carried that team at times. But he's actually not even scored any more than what Ronaldo did. I think Ronaldo was a focal point. Ronaldo mm-hmm. was pretty much a number nine. The pace is nowhere near what it was before when he was at Man United. Rashford hasn't always played up top and he's not always been the you know the main target man. I think it's a completely different setup. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, uh, it's quite hard to judge them yeah. against each other. It was just when I seen that stat earlier and that kind of shot me because, th- you know, you, you, if you look at it and, you know, without knowing the stats, you go, no, Rashford had a far better season, but actually, you know, arguably hasn't. Um, there's there's another way of swinging it. Um, okay, then, Johnny, so you're two strikers. Um, who have you went for up top? I don't think this is really going to be a surprise, is it? I'm feeling bad now for leaving it to Brun. <laughs> 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 oh, see what you don't know behind the, the when you're listening to this is Jamie never told me that these guys had different fancier formations. I just put a four four two, and then he told me don't have too many from the same team. So I changed it. I, put, I need to take another one out. I said don't He's be ashamed. Me I should pick absolutely me up. <laughs> right, okay. So obvious one is uh, Haaland uh, We've well, already touched on everything. You know, there's no more can be said. And Harry Kane, uh, Tottenham have been dreadful, but Harry Kane is. I mean, take his goals away and think about where they would be. Uh, he's and his stats. I was looking at his stats today. Uh, his goal involvement and it's considering how bad they've been. It's it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. The early goals has been brushed under the carpet because of what Haaland's yeah. done. That's absolutely crazy, isn't it, when you think of it? That's exactly um, what, was, what it is, yeah, right? What was, what was the total last season? Was it 22? A Salah and Son split? Yeah, 22. 22, and you got Caden on 13. He's not even winning anything. And there's a joke in there, but, you know. Mason, have you got any other two picks, or have you got the same? Nah, you've got, got to agree with, with Johnny. Um yeah, I just it's just mad to think that Kane has hit them numbers in such a mm-hmm. poor Tottenham team. I still can't believe he scored 30 goals this season. Like, I yeah. can believe he's, he's top, top quality, but just in this team and the season they've had, and it's just gone so under the radar. Do you know when he scores and it's just like, oh, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. But um, incredible. And obviously Haaland, it'll be interesting to see how he follows this season up. But um, 
yeah, that, that that was the two easy picks. Yeah, no surprises. I went with the same Kane and obviously Haaland. Um, and, and it was kind of funny because I was listening to, uh, I think it was a, a radio show this morning, and one of the, they were talking to a, 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 a Spurs legend, if you like. Couldn't I tell you who it was. No, I don't think there's many legends, but um, he, he said that if you watch Kane, since Christmas, it's like, you remember when you were at school and you played school footy, but you always had that one ringer that was two years above you that played in the lower league team. He says, that's what it's like watching Harry Kane. He says he's just three years ahead of everybody else in that team. And I find it hard to disagree with that, actually, because see when you're Harry Kane and you're waiting on a pass from Oliver Skip, and I, 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 no disrespect to Oliver Skip, but you're like Heiberg and Oliver Skip. And we're talking about Haaland, who's got De Bruyne, Grealish, Mares, Bernardo Silva are all looking to find him. You've got a 60 million striker that's meant to be the, the standing replacement for you that can't score a goal. He can get many yellow cards, though. It's absolutely mad to think that Harry Kane has been pushing out those kind of numbers. Um, I'm, I'm skeptical of whether he goes in this window, but it'll be interesting to see if he does. Um, and manager of the season, I did. I, it was announced today that uh, I think Pep Guardiola got um, manager of the season. I find it hard to disagree with it, considering he's just won his fifth league. But it kind of gets a bit boring, done to always naming the same player, the same person. Sorry. I think that's why I went different last when you asked me last week, um, mm. because he's the he's the obvious answer. Uh, when you asked me who I thought would be manager of the season, or who I felt was. Going that way it just feels a wee bit, it does feel a bit boring. But I mean, you can't take anything away for that. I know they've spent a hell of a lot of money. Um, they have a huge backing compared to the vast majority. Not all, not all. But you still have to be able to get those players to pick. Um, you can look at the contrast, like we spoke about with Chelsea spend, Man City spend. It's not a huge a difference between them. But they are miles apart. And you have to give the manager credit for that. So I think I said to Zebby last week, um, but I didn't really consider that it was only a partial season. So, you know, although he's been fantastic, if you're going over the whole season and considering what he still could win around the corner, it mm. could only be one for a man yeah. manager story. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose a final question then, what is your prediction come well, if you didn't know, it's 76 days for the next Premier League season to be starting kicking off. And I'm already excited for it. I can't wait. Um, just, count on but do you know what it is? It's just more, I'm more, I just need this season to be over and done with. Like, it's such a shit season for a Liverpool fan. And I know it sounds shocking considering we've just said Liverpool won 9 0, 7 0, fucking had a barnstormer against Tottenham and Red Star Arsenal. But it's been infuriating at times. Like we beat Man U seven 0 and then we went and lost one 0 to Bournemouth at, 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 down at Bournemouth. It's been an absolutely crazy season. I just want to put it to bed, start again, get the new transfers in, and actually have a look. If I was thinking at a crazy prediction, I think, I think the tr- Premier League transfer record is going to be busted again. And I had mentioned that earlier in the prod. Uh, I've got a sneaky feeling Chelsea might do it, um, but it could be anybody really. What would what would be your prediction? Um, come the the season start, mate. Anything anything outlandish that you'd expect to see? Um, I think there's no doubt that the Premier League transfer spend will, will go through the roof again. I think that's a yeah, that's that's bound to happen. Um, I, I like you. I just can't wait for this se- the next season. It's, yeah, as you said, as a Liverpool fan, but as a Rangers fan, it's been it's been absolutely abysmal as well. So, uh, but. Uh, 
I, I just can't. Do you know what it is? I'm just thinking about next season already, and I just can't see past Manchester City already. Um, really? No, I just can't. I even. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't even put a case at the minute for anyone to even before they've done any outgoings, any ingoings, because there's a lot of rumours of obviously, you know, there's going to be a bit of a shake up with your your Bernardo Silva's going, Gundogan's going. That's a big chunk of their their midfield engine, if you like. Um, you know, whether or not they can go again. It is, but I just think that that Pep will will, will have something up his sleeve. He just knows um, how to get it, doesn't he? Does he really does? And uh, the only thing that would change my opinion on that is, is obviously the, they've got the charges for financial fair play as well, haven't they? And we we don't know, you know, what kind of business they're going to do sort of in the summer. But um, yeah, I'd like to obviously, yeah, as I said, what might see Chelsea go in and, and 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 putting in a title challenge. I think for the whole Premier League, I'd like to see you know Arsenal go and go and spend. Um, and recruit well again, and, and give it a you know, and even another go and push City, Liverpool. I expect to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man United. I'd like to see Kane and Rice go there. I think that could completely change them. But um, I still, still, even with that, I just, just this this Man City team. I just, I think they've got more gears to go as well. That's the, the scary thing. Johnny, what about yourself, mate? Uh, it's hard to do them against. Think Chelsea will no. change two more managers before the season kicks off. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's beat. That's beat. Um, I think yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with Mason uh, and what he said. The I think some of the ones you said were leaving, especially Gundogan. I think that's a bit. I think that's that's a risk. Um, mm-hmm. He is a he's a big player for them, especially yeah. at the back end of the season. He's been excellent for them. Yeah, he did it a couple of years ago, didn't he? Where he scored something like five goals in a row over the Christmas yeah. period or something. Well, he done, yeah, he done similar to the back mm-hmm. end of the season, and he also looked excellent. Um, so yeah, I think that would be that's a loss for them. But I mean, it's a loss they can replace. Uh, it's, it is hard, and it's like we said before. It's there's not many teams in the league you can take one or two of the top stars out who won't dip in form other than Man City. I'd say they're probably the only one at the moment. So they can afford to lose one or two. Um, and no doubt of strengthen as well. And it's hard to see past that. I think we'll see an improved Chelsea. We'll see an improved Spurs. Um, so I think... See when you say improved Spurs, what do you mean by that? Do you mean just get more out of the team or a bit more stability? You know, new manager and what, what, what does that look like in your eyes? Uh, I think a bit of both. I don't think they can be as poor as they've been this season. I think a lot of it rests on what happens with Harry Kane. Um, probably should have considered that before I said that, but <laughs> that's why I'm asking because yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and also who to bring in. I mean, obviously, this manager, the managerial saga has went on too long, a bit like it did with Chelsea. Um, it needs sorted out sooner rather than later, so that is a big point, part of it. But I think they have to be better. Um, and if Poch can get those uh, all those sign ins or at least a, a selection of them. Second, they they should do better. I think they'll be closer, a lot closer to the top four, if not in the top four. Um, do you think Harry Kane's still at Tottenham, or do you think he's moved? Oh, I hope he goes. And I know I'm, I've got a couple of Spurs fans who my mates who listen to this, and they're going to crucify me for this. But he has <laughs> to go for his own sake. Um, he has he owes Spurs nothing. And I don't think any Spurs fans got a right to be angry with him for leaving. He has given them a lot. Um, I think him wanting to move to actually become, you know, have a bit of silverware and lift a trophy above his head, I don't think that's a lot to ask. So, yeah, I think he has to move. 
he should move, but he probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> and Mason, one 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 topic I know you you know quite a lot of, and um, there's a lot of talk recently that um, obviously Declan Rice's future. Um, the, there was a there was a conversation the other day that said that Tuchel had actually spoke to him on the phone about potentially going to Bayern Munich. Is that realistic? Do you think that's something? Do you think that's something that could potentially happen? And the reason why I'm asking that is that, you know, Moisey has been throwing crazy numbers around 120 million, 100 million. I think any Premier League team looking at him is going to be looking at 80 to 100 million. Bayern Munich's transfer record was 80 million euros, which is about 69 million pounds on Luca Hernandez. I don't see them getting anywhere near 100 million in order to bring a Declan Rice in. What was your thoughts on that when you heard that one? No, I, I don't see him. I don't see him going to to Bayern Munich for for that reason. To be honest, Jamie, I, I don't see Bayern Munich paying that kind of money. But by the way, I think most time are going to do well to get 100 million up yeah. front anyway. I think I think I, I always say a holding midfielder doesn't get you 10 goals a season, won't get you 10 10 assists a season. So for me to spend even 80 million on on, on I just think it's it's mad. But um, money, yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, I can understand it on four players. They're the match winners. Um, for me, Declan Rice isn't a match winner. He's a very good footballer. Yeah. Um, but I think he's just talking to Tuchel and Bayern Munich and he's out yeah. of probably knowing that I don't think that would be his first pick. But maybe just because Bayern, if Bayern Munich, one of the biggest clubs in the world, you'd be mad at least not to speak to him and see what Tuchel's got to say. But um, In reality, Tuchel probably just liked one of his Instagram pictures or something and people <laughs> just remember that. <laughs> Yeah. I just said he's had a conversation with him. <laughs> no, no, in the press nowadays, that's that's exactly it. But um, but yeah, I, I don't see him going to Bayern, mate. No. And the one that came out today as well, I don't know if you know Mason, it was only because you mentioned it, um, is Saliba. Um, apparently he's asking for 250 grand a week because Saka's on 300 grand a week now. And apparently PSG have come knocking at the door. Now, if you didn't know, Saliba's currently paid 32 grand a week. So he's asking for a 200k jump. This is the problem. This is the problem that Arteta's probably not had, or he did yeah. have. Obviously. He, he dealt with it really well. But Bamiyang, Johnny spoke about earlier, and I can't. But Bamiyang, but Bamiyang came in with that kind of high yeah. price, though, didn't he? he? Wasn't he didn't jump from thirty k to half a mil, a quarter mil, sorry. But where Arteta's got such a young team, this is going to be a test for him now. Mm-hmm. How he how he manages them egos of of nearly winning the league and and, and going and get them to to stay grounded and and to to, to do it all again. And when you've got youngsters that have performed in the Premier League, that all of a sudden they're going to have interest from other clubs and, you know, et cetera, it don't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me. And and look, six months in in the Premier League, if you do well, you're you're made for life. That's just just the way it goes. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens at Arsenal. That's one I'm I'm quite looking forward to seeing what they do this summer as well to back it up. I think you just hit the nail on the head there with what you that statement with the 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 six months can set you up. That's that's absolutely spot on. And that's the case with Saliba. I, I read probably the same article you did, Jamie. Um, mm-hmm. How he had you had so many players around him on crazy money. Yeah, I think Martin Elliott was on two hundred fifty grand, something like that. They, they just got new contracts, haven't they? Two hundred uh, grand. Saka's just signed a three hundred grand. Yeah, and they're trying to get Saliba to sign a new contract, but he's also got. If, I mean, he's got an agent in his ear who'll be saying, look, mm-hmm. that team fell and that season fell apart when you got injured. Yeah. You know, you were that big a player for them, so know your worth. So Messi's still got putting him in his team of the season. He only played 25 games. Yeah. <laughs> I think they've got a problem with that. I really do. Um, yeah. And it's the kind of player that can cause a lot of, you know, a lot of grief in the squad. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting summer, guys. Um, uh, as ever, um, I've, I've absolutely enjoyed taking talking to you guys, and obviously, you know, wrapping up the season. Um, for the listeners, um, what's your thoughts? Obviously, we we kind of put our thoughts together on some of the options, some of the players, some of the best games. If you guys have got any suggestions, then drop them in the comments. Um, it's always good. We believe it or not, we do actually read the comments at the back of there just to see if anybody's added anything to it. Um, but um, as ever, guys, um, we will wrap this up. Um, and uh, we've got a few things in the pipeline coming into next season. Um, we're looking to hopefully see tap in to see if anybody fancies a bit of fancy football, a bit of a Super 6 tournament or something like that. We can kind of tack this on and we can kind of do it a bit centralised between us. Um, but uh, we can get all the links and stuff set out. But um, hopefully going into the new season, then we should uh, have a little bit more structure to it. So thanks again, guys, for listening to us. Um, and if you've got any comments, then as I said, leave them in the bit. Thank you. Appreciate it.